Hey folks, my name's Pete Murray, singer song. Oh, that's a good song. Hey guys, singer songwriter. Singer songwriter. <laughs> hey guys, uh, Pete Murray's my name, Australian singer songwriter. Been around for about the last twenty years now, and have just released my best off. Yes, I'm at that stage in my career. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Welcome to the next episode of Introducing Tim Blackwell here. Hopefully you had a chance to listen to last week's chat with Tim and Oscar from Holy Holy. If you didn't yet, go back and have a look after this one because they are just such cool guys and I cannot wait for their new album. I've been listening to their new single, Ready, with Sumner over and over again. Seriously, it is an absolute cracker. And I've then been deep diving Sumner's work as well. I'd love to get them on the podcast at some stage. Tazzy duo Chloe and Jack, if anyone knows Chloe or... Jack, or maybe you are Chloe and Jack from Sumner and you're listening to this now. We'd love to have a chat with you. That would be very cool. Let's uh, let's do this week's episode, though, and this man needs no introduction, even though I know it's called Introducing. But Pete Murray's Best Of album is out, featuring his most popular singles of the last 20 years. Yes, Pete Murray's been doing his thing for 20 years. He's just wrapped up his massive greatest hits tour all around Australia. Apparently, those shows were just going off. Cut and sick. Sing along after sing along. A lot of you might know the Pete Murray story, but some of you might not. I mean, he didn't pick up a guitar until later in life, and then he moved to London, did the share house thing, and pretty much got talked into doing music by Black Angus. You'd know him from Sneaky Sound System. That's kind of how the story goes. There's a lot more in between, though. So um, hopefully you enjoy this. There's so much to chat about. We caught up a few years ago when uh, I was staying up in Byron. He lives up that way, and we were chatting in the surf at uh, Broken Head in our boardies, and I thought, well, why not? Just get together with clothes on, you know, in a studio and act like professionals and talk about his career. So let's do that. Well, mate, it's so good to see you. Yeah, great to see you too, mate. Fresh from uh, the Best Of Tour and you played the M Mall last night. I did. And yeah. Times have changed because it's like, it was just after 12 o'clock on a Monday. You should be kind of just still in your hotel room with champagne and groupies, shouldn't you, after a oh, big show like that? Oh, we got like those that. guys out early. Yeah, we got the, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so I cleaned the room up and had to get out. I didn't want to pay the extra cost for the cleaning bill, so no, it's all done. Well, that's why you've lasted so long, though, mate, because you're yeah, a professional. That's right. You front up right. and, and see people like me after a big show. I know. But uh, you're saying the vibe of the shows have been good because it's, it's a best of tour, which basically means that you're just playing Actually, the hits. You know what it is? It's the, it's the, it's the album is called The Best Of. Yes. Oh. But the tour is called All The Greatest Hits. That's right. That's why it's confusing. So, yes. <laughs> the, no, I, I, for me, I'm kind of like, um, you know, when we talked about doing the the, the best of greatest hits, what we're going to call it, you know, yeah. the essentials. And I was like, oh, look, I don't like greatest hits because I feel like I haven't had massive hits. I've never had a number one in Australia. I've had a number one album. So, mm-hmm. yes, I've had some big songs, but for me, um, they're not number one songs. Mm-hmm. They never have been. I've, I'm kind of more of an album writer and I think I have that, the songwriting that, that really um, – uh, sticks with people rather than being a being a you know flash in the pan um, success and having yeah. this massive you know, number one yeah. single. I haven't had that. I didn't see you on TikTok when you were thirteen. No, no, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I don't think I remember TikTok being around at that age. But you know, no. But um, 
So for me, it was like I kind of thought the best of count. It sounds cool because it is. It's what I, you know, it's my best of that I think I've had for that time. Mm. And uh, you know, those songs are the singles that we put out, basically yeah. that that had the most success. And the people, when you play them live, you know that you're going to get a reaction from that. Yeah. But the uh, we're talking with management. They're going, yeah, well, I think the best of doesn't sound quite exciting enough for the tour. The yes. best of tour. Let's call it the greatest hits tour. So I was like, it confuses people. That's <laughs> all right, but it's working. So <laughs> yeah, that's it. We we get it. We yeah. get it. Now a friend of mine saw. Uh, your show at the forum in Melbourne last last week and said the vibe was just great. I think I think because look, I hate to talk always talk about lockdown, but since then, I, I mean, I go to a lot of live shows and I'm yeah. going to Splendor in the Grass this weekend. Like, it's almost people. In, in, I mean this with all the greatest respect. People mm. almost don't care what's happening on stage. They're just happy to be out and listen to music. And yeah. if, even if you wanted to play, you know, an hour of brand new songs, I'm sure the vibe would still be still be just as good because people are so happy to be back out there. Well, almost, almost true. I mean, it's true. People do want to come out, and just want to see music again. That's great. But when you play, uh, I'm playing for about an hour and forty five minutes. When mm. I play a set that you're giving them song after song after song that they know and that they can sing to. And mm. I know the ones that they really love when as we start to build towards the end, I'm taking the crowd on a bit of a journey and having fun with them, you know, and saying, look, you know, firstly, thanks for, for being there for me for the last 20 years because that's without you guys, I wouldn't be here. And so uh, I'm really grateful for that and, and grateful for you guys for mm. coming to the show. And we've really, you know, people have, um, I hear stories people have had, uh, some of these songs have helped them through hard times. They've been married to some of these songs Probably one song they shouldn't have got married to, which is so beautiful, which yes. is, we know, but there were people doing that. Is it Every Breath You Take, the same thing? That same was a, thing. a better stalker. Same thing, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you know, well, you know was- I got married to Perfect Day by Lou Reed, and which apparently was about doing heroin under a tree. Yeah. But hey. And that's so you <laughs> So And that's a perfect song for you. Yeah, I, I, great, I married choice. myself and a tree. <laughs> great choice. <laughs> no, so, you know, when you're talking about this, and I go, look, you know, I feel like I've been in people's lives for such a long time. And I'm even saying, look, you know, you know, my music, I think, is, um, has increased the population of this country. You know, so, and you, at that point, you're going, and I, you know who you are. You know? yeah, that's right. So, I've been there with you guys all the way. You, yeah, you really have yeah. on a very intimate level. So, I think when you, when you have those songs that the people can relate to, you're going down this nostalgia road again. And they are so excited because it takes them back to a time and place when they first heard the music. And then the journey of, you know, like you've got the fans that have been there through all the albums and they've got their favorite songs and mm. what that means to them. So the excitement has been crazy. The singing along is insane. You know, does it still I, surprise you after all these years? Like, do you always have that little self doubt no, or are you just well, well over that? I'm over that. Yeah. And I think for me, I think I've grown as a performer too because I used to be, when I, when I first had success, it was just like bang, it went crazy straight away so yeah. you know i was playing to 30 people at first for a little while in melbourne in a small pub i think and- i saw you in a pub in perth 20 years ago i think yeah. it was just before the feeler album came out yeah but it was still a good vibe <laughs> was, well i think i've always been great live and that's what i pride myself on and that's why i'm probably still successful and have a career and when you've got a great live show and you've got good music as well mm. you can have a long career some people don't have the live show and it doesn't work for them and it don't yeah. last as long so my show's good but in early days i was kind of like you know, thrust into this success and, and, you know, suddenly playing to 30 people was kind of still daunting. But then I was playing to, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000. Then suddenly I remember going to one of the first Splendor in the Grass and I was just – everyone at that point was the height of everything and my career and, and – or starting off, just ramping up and everyone that was at that festival was kind of there to see me because, you know, the, the new act. Mm. And just – Kind of being a bit nervous about what do I say? You know, like I'm a bit nervous now. I'm like totally confident, yeah, comfortable, and yeah. I can and I can take. And so me, what my job is to do is to make sure that when people come and see me live, 
that they feel like they're part of the show, yeah. not just watching a show. So as soon as you've got that and you've got them involved in the show and they feel like they're part of it, they're not embarrassed. Like, you know, people sit there going, oh, I can't sing, I can't move because people are looking at me. No one's looking at you. No one gives a shit about you, honestly. <laughs> no, no. So you kind of make people feel like that. It's like, hey, this is a, you guys are here, you're part of the show, and they get him singing along and warming up so they don't care about anything else around them. Yeah. By the end of the show, my goal is to get them all up and singing and just let them, they do it on their own. I'll let them go. So, you know, it's, it's that sort of vibe. It's been great. So tell me though, uh, I'm assuming I, I know the answer to this, but greatest hits tour and best ofs, that doesn't mean it's over, does it? <laughs> no, no, not, you're, not you're at not all. You're not here to no, announce I, anything. Well, I hope not. I hope not. So, you know, for me, this is the first um, two decades yeah. of my career. It's the first 20, 20 years. So Some people don't even get a year. So that's, I love it how you describe it as my first 20. This is a huge achievement already. Yeah, that's right. So I think it's a really gr- great time to go, this is what I've achieved. Um, and these are the songs that I've got, and and let's celebrate that now. And then after this, I'll be moving forward with other stuff. I'm still going to play these songs. I can't not play them at no. shows. I won't play all of them, but you know that's the thing you got to uh, remember. You, you know, if you want to go and see a, a favorite artist, that you you want to hear those songs. You know, and. I'm sure Bruce Springsteen plays all his hits. You know, like you, people, they want to hear that because. Yeah. Although Beyonce's getting in a bit of trouble at the moment for her three and a half hour arena show and very few hits. Oh, serious? But, but, but I think she's okay. more, she's more being a character. This is like mm. a, you know, you know, you're not going out on stage as Sasha Fierce, I guess. Well, some people, some some artists get that way, and I can, make, I can understand it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's um. People want to hear those songs, mm. you know. See, so they're the ones that made you, and then they're the ones that those people helped you become yeah. successful. So if you don't give it to them, it's a funny thing, and it's really annoying. How many people do you, will you hear whinging about a show that you know? I think it was The Cure came out to Brisbane years mm. ago, or they played all new songs, and everyone's just like, "This sucks," and people start walking away. Saw Radiohead at um, Sydney Entertainment Centre when it was still a thing, and they're one of my favourite bands. Yes. Just they're one of my favourite bands when they were making those guitar albums, you know, like yes. the Bands and OK Computer yeah, and stuff like that. Albums, great albums. Not one of the songs. Not one of those songs. <laughs> no. Which was fine. I loved. No. I loved that I saw them, but I didn't even get Karma Police. I'm like, come on, just do something. Yeah, and look, that's difficult. Um, yeah. You know, I, I remember seeing- I don't blame them for it. I'm, I'm over it, obviously. I saw an old artist that I loved um, years ago, a guy called Joe Jackson, who had a song, mm. Is She Really Going Out With Him? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and like I knew all his stuff anyway, but that was one song that was- I used to play it when I was playing some um, cover gigs years ago in Brisbane. That song was a great song. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I just really want to hear that song. And he started, just him on the piano. Dun, 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 dun. You know, he starts singing, the crowd sing along straight away. Yeah. Pretty women are walking with gorillas down my street. Bum, bum. And the crowd is right in. I'm, I'm singing along, Spell. Yeah. Um, look over there. Wow. You know, <laughs> here comes Jeannie with a new boyfriend. Bum, 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 bum. And gets to the chorus. He goes, nah, I'm over that song. And he just starts playing. Oh, no, else. really? Killed it. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I was fuming. I'm going, so I learned something from that. Being in the audience, yeah, that is shattering. When you just want to sing, it's the almost worse than that, that you love. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, right. Man, I was an unhappy. So I thought I'm never going to do that to, yeah. to to an audience. You want to make sure that they feel yeah. like they're um, you know, satisfied and they've got. Uh, their, their their money yeah uh, yeah like, so I'm not going to play all the the big songs all the time but you're going to play the majority of them no doubt about that when I saw you last only a couple of weeks ago you were about to must be a couple of months ago you're about to go overseas with this show mm-hmm. um how, how was that was it a lot of expats Did, were you traveling overseas a lot when you were releasing these albums like you touring overseas a lot well you know um 
But look, uh, I was I really only had releases with back in the day with the label. I had a worldwide deal, so I only got releases in Holland and the UK early on. So that's really yeah. back when before Spotify. If yeah. you weren't released in those other um, countries, you, you, no one could hear your music. Yeah, Spotify's changed that, so you, everyone can hear it now. Mm. But I kind of missed that window in a lot of the other countries. So um, Holland's still really good. UK's good. So we just went back and did those those places. Yeah. So very few Aussies in the crowd in Holland, uh, and there was very few Aussies in in uh, London because I had and, and I know Ireland because I had a, a good um, English and Irish following anyway. So mm-hmm. we worked really hard at getting that. So we, I'm sorry to the, all the Aussies listening, but what I used to do over there is would email um, the the locals to go tickets are going on sale. Aussies will buy them first if you guys don't. So they would go and that's how we'd get more people over there because yeah. I know Powderfinger had the problem too when they would travel overseas, they would just get Aussies. Yeah, right. So what's the point of going Bloody overseas? Bloody Aussies overseas. Yeah. yeah. Well, you get, you get a little trip. Oh, look, you, you, no, you, hang on, wait, you get a work trip out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's still good, but you want to try and build up your following overseas. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, look, very successful. Those, those shows were great. Yeah. And I think after COVID, you know, um, Europe's been doing it pretty tough, but we still had great numbers at the show. Same sort of vibe, people singing along. It's just, it's at a different level now that the songs are in people's lives and, yeah. and they can just, they sing along, you know, like, like myself and Joe Jackson, but I'll sing with the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's almost just thinking back to that. That's almost worse than not playing at all. Just that that, that teasing you like that. I know. I know. How dare he? Yeah. Um, look, because, because this is called introducing. I want to go back to the start a bit because, and you you've told these stories a hundred times. I know, but um, in the world of music now, I guess most people are like you know they they've kind of they've released their first hit by the time they're sixteen and they're mm. on a world tour when they're eighteen. Mm. In the world of music, I guess it's a bit like sport. You started pretty late because you yeah. were into sport, weren't you? You were a bit more I of the, the sporty guy yep. as opposed to the music you know, guy. Sport was my life. Well, I had nothing to do with music um, until I was 21 or 22. I first picked up a guitar. Yeah. And that was only because I was uh, living with a friend of mine. We were both studying at the time and he, and he just came to my room and said, you know what? I'm going to go get a guitar lesson. I've always wanted to play guitar. So, I'm going to go get a lesson and, and you know, have a crack at it. Yeah. And I thought, well, that sounds really cool. I've never thought about doing that because my life was just sport and that's what I loved. And so music wasn't even on there. So I thought, that's pretty cool. Maybe I'll do the same. So I actually went and had a couple of lessons and, and then he never did. He got me started. Mm. And, um, you know, it was, um, it was great. So he didn't know. I sort of ha- I started to just teach myself for a while. And a couple of years later, we hooked up and I said, mate, come around. And uh, I got something to show you. So he came around. He was living at the Gold Coast and I was in Brisbane. And we were big Neil Young fans. So, uh, I got the guitar out and started playing some Neil Young covers and he was like blown away going, when did you do this? I said, well, from you. You were the one that inspired me to do this, you know. And probably only a year or so later, he sadly had an aneurysm and passed away. So, um, but he's, his name is Charlie. So, I named my first, my boy after him. Oh, yeah. And he's the reason that I started playing music. So, I think we're we're meant to, I believe in fate. I think I was meant to meet that guy. Yeah. To get me into music, and that's all. That's how it started. So, yes, you know, getting back to what what you said before, that's quite late to start playing music. But even later, you know, when I first recorded my independent album, I was thirty. Yeah, and I got signed to Sony at thirty-two, which you know, was, that's quite old to to do that. But lucky you're so handsome. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think um, the difference is I've never considered myself a pop act. Uh, and if I was a pop actor, I probably would never have got signed. So, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter and then those songs, um, 
you know, when I played them to, to Dennis Anlin, who was the boss of Sony back then, yep. uh, I guess he could see the potential in that. And the songwriting was um, strong. You know, I played- Well, when, was, when did that start though? Because there's one thing to pick up a guitar. Like, I can play five chords and I can pretty much play every Beatles song and a few Neil Young yep. songs and all that. That gets me by. But to take it to that next level where you're actually going to write original music, when did that creep yeah. in? Well, that was funny too, because everything was just like accidental how this all worked. I went, um, traveled overseas. I started playing guitar 22, 23. I went- overseas on a trip, I think, or 21. Sorry, then went overseas at 22. And I just bought a guitar in LA, um, went over to London. There was um, 19 Aussies living in a two-bedroom unit in London. <laughs> and I was, what could go I was wrong? sleeping on the floor. <laughs> and was, there, was there much sleeping though? <laughs> oh, there was, there was a lot of people sleeping and there was a lot of people having some activities at night time. Very close to my head. I remember that was very, it was that busy. <laughs> and um, so I, I remember because one of the guys who was in that room was Angus McDonald from Sneaky Sound System. Yeah. So Angus, Black been, Angus. Yeah, Black Angus. We've mm-hmm. been mates for a long time. And Angus was always, he'd been playing since he was young. He actually gave me a couple of lessons early on and how to play. And and he was doing um, he was doing his original stuff back then. You know, I was just like playing some covers and we would have the guitars out one night. And he would play an original and I'd play a cover and he'd play an original and play a cover. And one of the girls said, I'll play one of your songs. And I said, I don't write songs. And she said, why not? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't. And she said, well, you should. And that's how I started. I was like, okay, well, maybe I should. What was the first song you wrote? Uh, it was a heartbreaker, real heartbreaker yep. song. Yeah. Never saw the light of day, luckily. <laughs> okay. But it was... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was a song called Don't Waste My Time. It was obviously about some bitch that you know, broke my heart. So. <laughs> How's it going? Can you remember a little bit of it? Oh, you can't just do Joe Jackson on here. Now you're testing me. <laughs> I just remember the chorus like, don't waste my time, don't waste my time. Something like that. That's all I remember of the song. But Catchy? I yeah, I can't remember anything else. It's, it's disappeared <laughs> somewhere. But um, So, I started to do that then when I came home after traveling overseas. I was just doing it. I did a couple of years of just doing in a small little bar doing covers and and a few little originals here and there, but it was just kind of that's how I started. And then uh, came time to a, a, a band. A friend of mine was in a band. He said, well, would you be interested in management, managing us? So I think you'd be a good manager. So I said, yeah. yeah. So I started doing that. So I did all the management courses with, you know, Key Music up there in Brisbane and was learning a lot about management. And then I did that for about 12 months with those guys and then that all kind of fell apart and um, I really thought, look, I don't want to be a manager and I started really sort of starting to do my own stuff then mm-hmm. and, and that's when I was started to sort of go down that path. But having the, the management background was really good for me because I learned a lot of stuff about how to- It's probably another reason up. you're still here 20 years later is because well, you, you haven't know, been screwed over. <laughs> I learned a very good lesson in Q Music because the first um, management meeting I went into, they said there's three things that you will need to be successful in the music business. And I remember getting back then getting my notepad and yeah. pen out because there were no phones. And uh, I was like, okay, one, two, three, hit. what are these three things? And she went, persistence, persistence, persistence. I was like, wow. Yeah. That's so true. And that's what I stuck to the whole time. I guess it's like that age old thing, don't have a backup plan because you'll end up using it, you know, like if you're going to be- you know. Well, you know, I, I disagree with that. I, it's good to have a backup plan, but you never give up on what you're trying to do. Yeah. You're at the point where you can't, you, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. That's the final thing, but you've got to give it everything you Maybe have. Maybe that's just how I live because I don't have any other skills well, in there. So, so, no well, <laughs> so I was studying that for medicine. So that for me, oh, that was right. something that I could go back on. I love that as well, but music was more- Fun, and I wanted to have a job really that could take me, <laughs> that could take me around the world, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, so that was something. I got to the point where 
you know, before I ended up getting signed, I I actually ran the college back and said, look, I'm going to come back and try and finish off the course. So I, d- I did two years and I didn't finish it off. And and then, and it, you know, then things just worked musically. So it was, all, it was good. So the song that you can only just remember a bit of the chorus, you, that you, you, from your first song to the, the time that you went professional, what, what really changed for you then when you went, all right, was it the debut or was it Feeler? Was Feeler the moment that everything changed? The the independent album was the thing that changed it. Okay, because the independent the game the game yep the independent album had songs on had so beautiful on there. Yes, okay, uh, and that was the song that really sort of was struck a chord with everyone when I was playing it live mm-hmm. back in the early days. That was a song that people heard um, at the label, and other people started talking about it. There was a, a review; some did a review on at the Australian and said. They just reviewed that album and said, "This album's amazing." You know, it's it's. Um, I had flute on some tracks and just different instrumentation that was in there that was a bit different to what everyone else was doing. And they said, "This guy could be big if there was if a major label got behind this guy. This could really be big." And it was a really glowing review. And and um, then I remember getting contact from um, Stu McCulloch, who was working for Sony at the time in A and R, and. Um, he asked us to listen to the album. It's quite funny because I about a year earlier I dropped off four tracks to another friend that knew someone in the accounting department at Sony. Yeah, I dropped that off. Didn't think anything more of it. Then did the game. We put that out. Um, you know, twelve months or eighteen months later, and then you know the the uh, Sony guys were sort of that had been making. So and I tried other record labels as well. No one was interested in me. Yeah. Okay. No one. No. We've already got. We've got other male singer songwriters. We don't need any more. Yeah, I was okay. Like, okay, that's what I got. So, but this, this, the game was sort of going around the office in Sony, uh, and then also when by the time it got to um, the um, before it got to the A&R guys, Stu was calling the guys in Sydney because he was based in Melbourne. Going, have you heard the, the album, the game from Pete Murray? And they said, look, we haven't got it, but there's another. A four-track EP, uh, EP that's been floating in the office for the last t- two years or something. Is it the same guy? Because everyone in the office loves this, and everyone's talking about, it, and they've given it to us to listen to. So all the stars aligned yeah, in this right. moment that that this happened, and so they got the four-track, and then Stu said, "I have no idea." So he he rang me and said, "Did you drop off?" And I said, "Actually, I did. I forgot about it." <laughs> so then that all came together, and that's when they went, "Listen, you got some great." songs here so the game kicked it off yeah and then we re-recorded um five songs off the game and put them on feeler and of course so beautiful was the big yeah. song but the the arrangement the structure everything was the same as that song we just re-recorded it again and that was the song that really sort of exploded i mean you know feeler did bail me out those other songs sort of led that up to when so beautiful hit it just opened up um the whole market yeah and lines lines love that's right. that song well lines was a was another song that um um, Triple M loved that early on. They were trying to get me to go into this thing called the Unsigned Find, and I was like not interested in competitions. Um, but then it, uh, they loved it so much. They said, "Look, we want you to do this competition. Um, you know, it's basically we love the song." Yeah. And I said, "Guys, I'm not into. I'm not into it. I've been asked three or four times now. I don't want to do it." And they went, "Look, I probably shouldn't be saying this on your podcast." No, that's alright. Go for it. They said, "Look, <laughs> to be honest." Um, uh, we really want you to go in this competition because we love this. We love your music and we want to support you. And um, so they said, look, if you go in the competition, you're going to win. And the winner gets $5,000. And so I said, okay, what do I do? <laughs> That's such, I had no money. I was like, what do I do? Yeah. So I did that. So everything's sort of aligned at the same time. And I think having winning that competition and, uh, you know, Sony were into it. It just worked. So I got a deal and then- And know, we're playing a lot of your music on Nova too. Like I remember playing a lot of your stuff on Nova. All the stations. I know, Nova, <laughs> yeah. I know that Triple J played it. Yeah. 
Uh, Triple M wanted it. Nova was like about a week behind and they said, we want it too. So it just went nuts because the guys at Sony weren't expecting the success and they were talking to all the, um, the programmers and at the stations and all the stations. They played three artists from Sony back then and it was I was like, oh, here's the, 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 the next one. We've got Pete Murray, you know, probably we're not expecting too much. But every time they play it to these guys, all the programmers are going, who's that guy? This yeah. is great because it was just sounded so different. Yeah. So, you know, in a way, Sony had no idea that, this is going to work on all the platforms and, and that's when it just went triple j triple m nova bank across the board and it just was it just went nuts and so back then you could play more than just one person um a one male voice with a guitar you know now it's just ed sheer and and and, and yeah that's <laughs> he's right. monopolizing that's right. all the radio play um so mate you've got uh greatest hits tour then the best of album i, I hate to keep pushing you forward then we've got a great 20 years we've just been celebrating but yeah what do you got in the pipeline are you working on new stuff yeah, are you yeah. taking a break no, I'm going to keep going. I think there's, um, I think you've got to keep going these yes. days. If you take a break, you kind of drop off. So, and I did take a break. Um, um, had a divorce. And I took a bit of time off and didn't release anything new for a while from 2011 to 2017. And it was a long break. It's a long break, yeah. I came back and things have changed quite a bit. So, um, now I've got some new stuff that I'm sort of working on at the moment. So, mm-hmm. I'd like to, whether I'll do an EP or an album, I don't know. Things have changed so much. So, what do you do these days with Spotify? Just maybe do singles for a bit? Maybe more of that TikTok dancing that we were talking about I don't about know. Before. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. It's changed. So, and it's going to change again more. So, yes. things are just continually changing. So, I don't know at this stage. But look, I think it's time for to get some new music out. We've done the the, um, the best of and, and, and you know, looked at all that mm-hmm. over the last 20 years. And that's been great. You know, so, I think it's, you know... Your career kind of does this bit of a wave, you know, as you as you go along, and it's just definitely sort of coming back up to, yeah. to where it was before, and it's been such a good vibe. Well, the last few times I've been seeing you, it's been in our boardies up at Byron, so it's nice to be sitting here uh, fully clothed. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> um, it is called Introducing, though, so we'd like to finish with uh, if you would like to introduce us to someone, like someone that you're listening to that you're loving at the moment, this is the platform. Yeah. Pay well, it forward. Yeah, there's a guy, uh, my son, Puts me under all these uh, acts that you know um, I'm probably not tuned into as much. But yeah, I think this guy's getting pretty. Well, he's pretty well known now. Yeah, but uh, Loyal Kana, okay, is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, he's very well known over in the UK and probably around the world now. He's going quite well. Um, so rapper kind of stuff, hip hop kind of vibe, but but smooth, smooth. Yeah, it's really nice. So um, I'm hoping to catch up with him. Yeah, that's Splendor. Uh, Pete, such a pleasure to see you. Um, congrats on the last 20 years, mate. It's been a pleasure. Um, I remember interviewing you at Nova Perth all those years ago, and here we are. We look exactly the same. Thanks, mate. <laughs>